Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. It was a complete and total exoneration. Yeah, well, there you go. U.S. President Donald Trump having a pretty good day, all things considered. Uh, A day that just got uh, maybe even better for him uh, amid breaking news today that lawyer Michael Avenatti, uh, certainly a prominent nemesis uh, of the president, is facing jail time. Uh, Two separate investigations, but he's been uh, arrested and charged in New York with trying to extort Nike. Uh, so quite a, a shocking development concerning Michael Avenatti. We'll get to that, but obviously Trump reacting to the Mueller report, or more specifically, I guess, the uh, summary from Attorney General William Barr about the findings in the Mueller report. The actual Mueller report itself has not yet been released, but the Attorney General did release yesterday a summary of its findings. Uh, and it's mostly, I think, pretty good news for, for the president in that on the collusion issue, Uh, The president appears to be in the clear on the obstruction of justice issue. It's uh, a little more complicated than that. Uh, The report says it did not exonerate the president on that front, but the attorney general and the deputy attorney general say that they both have. Well, joining us to talk a bit more about uh, where this all goes from here, very pleased to welcome to the program uh, here this afternoon, Ken White, uh, contributing writer at The Atlantic. He's an attorney with Brown, Wright, and Osborne in Los Angeles, former federal prosecutor. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Pope Hat. Ken, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Good to be here, Rob. Thank you. Uh, you were just on the receiving end, I think it was last week, if I recall correctly, of a, a phone call from from Michael Avenatti. Uh, so you've had your own interactions with this guy. But just before we get into the Mueller stuff, what, what do you make of uh, the trouble he seems to have gotten himself into? Uh, well, you know, I've been saying for a while that it seems like he's spinning out of control. And what we're seeing in these two complaints, one in Los Angeles and one in New York, certainly suggests that. The New York extortion complaint describes a completely harebrained scheme to extort Nike, uh, which one doesn't try to do lightly, uh, and suggests that he really was completely out of control while doing it. So he is in very grave danger right now. Uh, the They have recordings of him in the extortion case. They have some very troubling uh, tax issues in the Los Angeles case, and I think he's going to have things other than President Trump on his mind for a while. <laughs> I'd say so. It looks pretty serious. As you tweeted today, he said the line between extortion and settlement negotiations is fuzzy. But what he's accused of doing here goes way, way, way over. Very much so. It's always people feel they're being extorted when a lawyer demands a settlement. Uh, But usually it's not extortion. But what Mr. Avenatti is accused of doing, and apparently what he's been recorded doing, is telling Nike that uh, you have to give my client $1.5 million and pay me tens of millions of dollars to do an internal investigation, or tomorrow I'm doing a press conference that will tank your quarterly report and cost you billions of dollars in market cap. So that definitely crosses a line into extortion because it's not rationally connected to the claim that his client has. All right, well, let's talk about uh, the Mueller reports and what appears to be uh, favorable findings for the for the president. Obviously, look, this was a considerable investigation in scope and in length. I mean, in terms of what the report is, do we, do we have an idea? I mean, are we talking about a, a, a massive 600-page report, or, or what is it likely that the Mueller report is? 
Well, I'm sure it's thorough, but curiously, even though Attorney General Barr described thoroughly how many subpoenas there were and how many people were put in the grand jury and things like that, he didn't really describe the report or how voluminous it was. I would be very surprised if it weren't dozens and dozens of pages. Uh, and the interesting thing is, again, that we don't have the report. We just have Attorney General Barr's characterizations of it. Mm-hmm. And that leaves out some very key information. Because there's a very big difference between saying that uh, the special counsel found no evidence of conspiracy with the Russians and saying that he didn't find enough evidence. And that's a rather historic distinction, actually. And we don't really know yet which it is. Right. And it's possible then that the attorney general is cherry picking this or putting a spin on it. But the the idea that he's completely and totally misrepresenting it, that's probably a very low probability of that, I suspect. I'd agree. I think he knows that he can't get away with doing that and that uh, that would blow up if he tried. So I'm sure he's putting somewhat of a spin on it, but probably not one that uh, is going to be shocking when we get the actual report. Now, you use the word conspiracy, which is significant because that gets into the criminal realm. Um, but the, the word collusion has been uh, at the front of the coverage of all of this for the past couple of years. But w- what does the term collusion mean? It, it doesn't have any legal significance, does it? It doesn't really mean anything. It's sort of a cable news phrase that turned into the narrative about what the special counsel was looking for. The special counsel's task, as set out by a deputy attorney general, was to look to see whether the Trump campaign coordinated with Russian forces in interfering with the 2016 election. And collusion is just the, the word people started to use for that. Um, the the bar letter itself indicates that the special counsel did not find that there was coordination, either explicit or implicit. So it remains to be seen whether that means that he firmly concluded there wasn't or whether he couldn't really reach a conclusion sufficient to make the claim. Right. And presumably then more the evidence uh, on, on that is, is contained in the report. Exactly. And that's why it's essential to see the report. And I think that's true for everybody, not just mm-hmm. Trump critics, because this is, again, a very historic situation. And I think the legitimacy of the entire situation relies heavily on finding out more exactly what the special counsel found. And really, that could be for Trump's legitimacy as well as the legitimacy as well as the legitimacy of people attacking him. Yeah. Uh, On the question of obstruction of justice, is it unusual or or should people be surprised that that the special counsel did not make his own judgments on the question of obstruction of justice? Well, I think that shows a certain level of uh, conservatism on Robert Mueller's part. Uh, Classic conservatism, meaning he's respecting the difference between the branches of government, and he sees this as a very inherently political analysis. And he thinks that Congress, with its power to do things like impeach, is the right branch to sort out this sort of thing. And, you know, he may well be right, but we don't really know, again, exactly what he found. Uh, Barr says that he laid out the evidence on both sides, and Barr says that he came to his own conclusion that it was not prosecutable obstruction of justice. But I think we really need to see what evidence uh, the special counsel put there uh, that he declined to judge. 
the position of, of the president is interesting in that the, the assumption is, or at least Robert Mueller's assumption is, that a sitting president cannot be indicted, but yet obstruction of justice would clearly be an impeachable offense. I mean, is, is that what makes it more political than legal then? I think it is. Uh, first of all, the whole question of what is or isn't um, obstruction is very complicated because there have been many people who have argued, and among them the attorney general, that uh, when a president exercises his or her inherent powers like hiring or firing underlings or directing the course of executive branch investigations, that that cannot be obstruction because it's inherent in their constitutional power. And it's not yet clear whether or not that's part of Barr's analysis and saying there was no obstruction. In other words, we don't know whether he's saying that the president didn't do it or whether he's saying that even if he did it, it can't be obstruction. And because of that, I think it really is most properly a question for Congress in the much more broad, political, touchy-feely analysis of what is or isn't a high crime or misdemeanor. Right. The point about intent, I mean, any crime, I suppose, there there needs to be intent. Obstruction of justice is no different in that sense. But how much does it speak then to, to the mindsets of the individual, in this case, the president of the United States, as to, for example, whether he fired James Comey, Comey to, to obstruct justice or whether he fired him because he didn't like him? Well, sure. And one of the points that Barr made in the letter was that he was carefully considering the fact that there was no finding of coordination with the Russians in deciding whether or not the government could prove that the president had uh, corrupt intent to interfere with an investigation. The implication seems to be that if there was no crime, there was nothing, no investigation for him to obstruct. Now, I think that's pretty clearly not right. In fact, many people these days, when they're convicted by the federal government, get convicted not of what they were originally being investigated for, but how they reacted to the investigation. So that's another reason I think we really need to see the underlying facts and that Congress is probably the right body to do that. In terms of the overall investigation of the special counsel, I mean, it appears to be at an end, although there are some outstanding court cases, there are still individuals who who have immunity uh, arrangements or agreements and presumably have been cooperating to to some end. And what do we make of, of where all of that stands as of now? Well, we know that some investigations have been handed off by the special counsel to other federal districts. For instance, we know that he handed off the Michael Cohen investigation to Manhattan, the Southern District of New York. Every indication is that's still going on. Uh, Just the other week, uh, the Southern District released the search warrant applications it had used to get warrants from Michael Cohen's home and office. And critically, they blacked out the whole part discussing the campaign finance investigation. That strongly implies that investigation is still going on and that uh, Michael Cohen is not the end of the road for the investigation. So, I think it's safe to say that uh, the president and his family and his team are not completely out of the woods, but there's no doubt that this is a very major victory for them. It certainly appears to be so much more. Again, as mentioned, at Pope Hat, uh, people can read your piece. It's up at theatlantic.com. Ken White, thank you so much for your insight and appreciate making some time for us here today. Thank you, Rob. Have a good right. one. You too. Uh, that is Ken White, uh, contributing writer at The Atlantic, former federal prosecutor, uh, online on Twitter as well, uh, as mentioned, at Pope Hat and online at popehat.com. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.